Dinner Time with Dr. Joseph Rice. I tonight to know that, uh, that I am, I am his friend. Exodus chapter 3 tonight. My Lord. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, while the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush, and said to him, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land, unto a good land, and large, and unto a land flowing with milk and honey, and unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hizzites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hevites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, which I have also seen the oppression wherein the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and there shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. They shall say to me, Well, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. He said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am have sent me unto you. I want to talk from the subject tonight, a burning bush and an odd voice. Amen. A burning bush and an odd uh, voice. Amen. Over and over again in scripture, we are eyewitnesses and observers of how God interrupts the life of men and women Reveals himself to them in such a way they have never known him before. And raises their level of commitment to him. Over and over and over again in scripture. We are eyewitnesses and observers. Of how God interrupts and intervenes in the life of men and women. Raises their level of commitment to him shows himself to them in such a way they have never seen him before. For example, 
Noah is minding his own business. God interrupts the life of Noah. Shows himself to Noah in such a way that he has never known God before. And raises his level of commitment to him that Noah builds an ark and saves humanity. Or take for example, uh, let's take for example Paul. He's on his way down to Damascus Road to persecute the church. God interrupts the life of Paul. Shows himself to Paul in such a way he has never known him before. And raises his level of commitment to Paul that he becomes the first great preacher of the New Testament church. Over and over again, we are eyewitnesses and observers. How God interrupts the lives of men and women. Raises their level of commitment to him. And shows himself to them in such a way they have never known to him before. Over and over in scripture, narrative after narrative, person after person, story after story. It is always seemingly the same thing. God interrupts the life of someone that is going through the normal. Raises their level of commitment to him by revealing himself to them in such a way he has never, they have never known him before. That has happened to each and every one of us in here tonight. Amen. And although you are quiet, you may remember at some point a place in your life, yes. God revealed himself to you in such a way you have never seen him before. He interrupted your life. And out of that experience, he raised your level of commitment to him. And you are made the richer and the better on tonight. Now, it does not mean that God changes based upon how he seeks to intervene and interrupt your life. It just means that God interrupts and intervenes in our lives and raises our level of comprehending who he is based upon where we are in his life. It's still quiet in here tonight. Let me see if I can flesh this out and then I get to the text here tonight. For example, if you've been sick and you thought you wasn't going to get well, God interrupts your life, reveals himself to you in such a way you have never known him before. And you leave that experience calling him a healer. Amen, amen. Because he has shown himself to you in such a way that you have never known him before. But maybe tonight you have never been sick. But you know what it means to be without. God interrupts your life at a certain point of place. I'm almost there. He interrupts your life out of your experience of need and want. And he raises your level of commitment to him by revealing himself as a provider. That it does not mean that when he became your provider, he ceased to be a healer. But he is everything at the same time. But what it is is that God reveals himself to us, meets us where we are, raises our level of commitment to him, and we are made the richer and the better from that experience. That is why in church I always tell people, you don't have to be bothered by who shouts or moves at what particularly is said in the church. Because we have a worship tendency to think and suggest that whenever somebody says something in church, everybody ought to respond at the same time. Listen to me and hear praise and worship leaders. But everybody ought not respond the same way to everything. Because if I've never been sick, I don't know what that means. If I've never 
been without, I don't know what that means. So when you say he's a healer, I might not move not because he's not a healer, but I haven't been sick like that before. But if you say he's a provider, talk that to me here, and then I take off running, it's because I have experienced God at that point of place in my life, and I've never known him like that before, all I'm trying to say in this introduction is that God interrupts and intervenes in all of our lives, shows himself to us in such a way we have never known him before and from that we become committed to him in a way we have never been known before such is the case that we are presented with in Exodus chapter 3 and that God interrupts the life of one by the name of Moses raises his level of commitment to him and shows himself to Moses in such a way he has never known him before Walter Brueggemann says in his book about Moses says that he was doing an ordinary thing he was tending ordinary sheep he was out in an ordinary desert and then God interrupted his life raised his level of commitment to him and revealed himself to Moses in such a way he has never known God like that before. Spurgeon says that God could have moved by his own mighty power. That God did, God could have brought the children of Israel out by his own mighty hand. He could have called down anything from heaven and could have delivered them from the power of the Egyptian Pharaoh. But God chose, here's the part, to deliver the children of Israel, he says, through human instrumentality. Y'all quiet in here tonight. Which is a danger for most of us in here tonight. Because we miss what God wants to do because we miss it because we're caught up in the package by which God wants to do it. But often what God wants to do, we miss it because he wants to do it through a simple person. God could have brought the children of Israel out by his own mighty power. He didn't have to have Moses, but he chose to do it through human instrumentality. I'm almost there tonight, Pastor Nick, but it's a word in here tonight. God could have redeemed us by his own mighty power. God help me here tonight. He could bring his word by his own mighty power, but he has chosen to deliver his word in this day and age through and by the men and women of God. He has chosen to do it through human instrumentality. I want to tell somebody tonight, don't miss the message because you're caught up in the package. Don't miss the message. Hold on, Alton. Because you're caught up in what the package looks like. Such is the case that we are presented with in Moses. Moses is doing an, an unusual thing. God interrupts Moses' life. And Moses is made the rich and the better. Yeah. And how does God interrupt Moses' life as a tiny servant? He does it through a burning bush yeah. and an odd voice. Okay. What are the lessons we learn about how God wants to change our lives yeah. through burning bushes yeah. and an odd voice? In the first place, we learn in here tonight that there's always a season of indiscretion. The background of Moses is this. V, his life is not without an indiscretion. Come on, help me in here. He, he got some stuff in his pain that he's not proud about. I mean, we like Moses leading the children of Israel across the Red Sea. But what we fail to remember is that before he led the children of Israel across the Red Sea, he murdered a man on the backside of a desert. Have I got help in here yet? I want to rise and tell somebody here tonight, none of us 
who are being used by God are being used by God because we're without spot or wrinkle. None of us being used by God tonight are being used because we never done nothing wrong. But if God can take a crooked Moses and lead him across a straight red, red sea, then what can God do in the presence of all of our lives? Do we all have seasons of indiscretion? You sitting here tonight talking about I can't believe God would use me because of what you've done. That's why he wants to use you. Because it is your past that keeps you from getting the big end. It is your past that keeps you from thinking good and your ego get big. It is your past that reminds you you are still nothing. Only what you have is by the grace of Almighty God. Amen, amen. He has a season of indiscretion. He is back there on the backside of desert and he sees, hey man, an Egyptian messing with his home folk. He's a Hebrew by nature, by, by reason. He's a Hebrew. And uh, all of a sudden he forgot he was the prince of Egypt. And he took the life of an Egyptian. And he hid and buried that life in the same. And that season of indiscretion. Uh, gave Moses the second point here. Not only does God give us a seasons of indiscretion to bring us, he also gives us season of isolation. Right. Moses gets sent yes, to 40 years yes, on the backside of a desert. Right. How many of you all in here tonight know that God does some of his best work yeah. on the backside yeah. of a desert? Yeah. And I know tonight, y'all are quiet, I know tonight that a whole lot of Side of a desert, but God does his best work not in the spotlight. Talk back to me here if you can. Not in front of everybody. God does his best work on the backside of a desert. And Moses, one bad decision, rendered him 40 years on the backside of a desert, and nobody's there except God and Moses. On the backside of a desert. I'm almost done here tonight. I like this thing, too. Forty years of isolation. If Moses could handle forty years of isolation, what's wrong with you that you can't handle four days? What's wrong with you that you can't handle four hours? Every time we turn around, we need somebody talking to us, or we're looking at something, or we're on some social media. But every now and then. The old folk used to sing it this way. You got to turn your plate down. Fast and pray. Because Jesus would always, I wish I had some old school folk in here, make a way every now and then God does his best work when he can get you all by yourself. Moses is on the backside of a desert in here tonight. I want to tell somebody here tonight. You're not ready for red seas so you can have a backside to deserts. And there's so many of us in here tonight that want red sea experiences, but you can't get to your red sea until you had your time on the backside of an Egyptian desert. Yeah. They're on that backside of the desert. And Moses by himself, and there's nobody but him, he and God. And he sees what is geographically uh, uh, by looking at the geography and the terrain of it. He sees what is called an acacia tree. Yeah. That is on fire. All right. With no smoke. All right. We know it's no smoke. Yeah. Because the text says that the bush was burning. Yeah. 
but it wasn't consumed. Right, come, come here, y'all know we, we we said you've heard this old phrase, and it went up in smoke. Yeah. And Moses trying to figure out who's responsible for this. And if you read Exodus chapter three, Moses goes through some occupational changes. Right. Chapter three, verse one, he's a shepherd on the backside of a desert tending sheep. But then he sees a bush that is on fire, and he becomes a fire chief. He tried to investigate and see who started yeah. the bush. Who, who's the arsonist? Yeah. There's nobody out here except me and the sheep. And then he moves from a fire chief to a police investigator. Because he hears a voice calling his name. Yeah. Says, Moses, Moses, take your shoes off. For the ground that you're standing on is holy ground. He has went from shepherd to fire chief, from fire chief to police investigator, and now to a geographer. Because the voice says that the ground that you're standing on is holy ground. He's trying to figure out what does holy ground look like. I mean, the sand still looks the same way that it's always looked. What does holy ground, Dwayne, what does it look like? God says to him, Moses, take your shoes off. Well, we know something about shoes. Well, we know, we know, we know if the shoe don't fit. Don't wear it. Shoes, 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 shoes. Shoes. Cinderella. Yeah. Uh, at the bar. Yeah. Uh, left without a shoe. Uh, uh, down the yellow brick road. Door that went down. With some golden slippers. Yeah. We know something about shoes. And in the taxi says, take your shoes off. For the ground that you are standing on. Is holy ground, which is a word for all of us in here tonight. And that is that you can't come into the presence of God with any and everything. But the other side of that is it. What does holy ground look like? It looks like it's wherever the presence of the Lord is. It's holy ground. I know some of y'all, you can't worship God until you get in a church with a hammered organ and a drum set and a bass guitar. Hey, hey, man, you can't praise and worship God as somebody stands in front of you and says, lift your hands and wave your hands. But what Exodus 3 wants to say to us is that holy ground is wherever the presence of the Lord is. And I don't know if that's you in here tonight, but my holy ground's been in my own home. My holy ground's been in my bedroom. My holy ground's been at the kitchen table. My holy ground's been in my car driving. My holy ground's been when nobody else is around. And he says to Moses, take your shoes off. The ground that you are setting on. It's holy ground. Yes, and Moses says to him, Lord, there's one problem. He says, I have, I, I have come down now to send you to Egypt and to deliver my people. He says, I have heard the affliction of my people. Yes. Uh, in the original language, it reads this way, hearing I have heard the affliction of my people. And I have come down now to deliver them. And Moses says unto him, Lord, I, I got a problem. And he says, when, 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 uh, when I come to Pharaoh shall tell him that 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 my my God has sent me. He got a speech in Pharaoh. Sent me to 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 tell. Pharaoh to bring God said, I ain't gonna make it, I'm gonna make it really easy. All you gotta tell me is I am that I am. That sent me unto you. And God says, Who is I am? 
That's the New Testament. God picks that up in the New Testament. Jesus becomes the great I am. But I am really means it's everything that you need me to be. I am. Good night. That's a close right there. Everything that you need God to be tonight. He says to you, I am that I am. I don't know tonight what that I am has been to you. I don't know where you've been in your life and what you needed him to be. But is anybody here tonight that knows he'll be whatever you want him to be? He's a way maker. He's a hard fixer. Let's go now. He's a mind regulator. Whatever you need him to be. He says, I am that I am. And I want to close tonight by saying that thank God tonight that the bush is still burning. Have I got a witness in here? I said the bush is still burning. Have I got myself a witness tonight? Is there anybody in here tonight that knows that God has interrupted your plans? He showed himself to you in such a way tonight that you have never known him before. Have I got myself a witness? Look over and touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, I know what it feels like to have the Lord have been interrupted. Is that anybody's testimony? Has God ever had to interrupt your plans? But the good news tonight is that when he interrupts your plans, he shows himself to you in such a way you've never known him before. Have I got a witness in here? And I close by saying, is that
Dinner Time with Dr. Joseph Rice.